Everybody, welcome to another episode of You're Going to Die the Podcast. Uh, it's Ned, and I'm back, back in your ear. I mean, I know I was in your ear in the last episode, but it was just lightly. I mean, maybe it was loudly. I don't know what it sounded like to you, but uh, um, I was able to pop on, and I'm grateful for Nick, Jaina, our producer. And his special episode that he produced, check it out if you haven't heard it, last episode uh, with him and Chelsea Coleman, our CFO, among many other things here at You're Going to Die, and the story of how they met and in the context of this creatively conscious mortality thing. And oh, God, I thought I turned off my phone for, <laughs> for this. I'm so embarrassed. So embarrassed, everybody. Uh, okay, it's off. It's off. I'm fully here. This is this is real. Okay, this is live feelings, live phones, uh, live moment. I am, I am right here with you, and sort of strange. I read a poem or a part of a poem recently. It's by Alden Nowlin, a Canadian poet. As long as this is how it goes. As long as you read this poem, I will be writing it. I am writing it here and now before your eyes, although you can't see me. Perhaps you'll dismiss this as a verbal trick. The joke is you're wrong. The real trick is you're pretending this is something fixed and solid, external to us both. I tell you better. I will keep on writing this poem for you even after... I'm dead. Um, yeah, Alden Nowlin. It's called An Exchange of Gifts. This poem is talking about like it is being written now. And as you're reading it, it's being written. And that there's an aliveness to that creation that I feel like I would love to infuse the podcast with. And that, and that's true. You know, it's like I almost wait till the very last minute to get these introductions and segments recorded for each episode because I want to I want to have it feel closer to you and you're listening. I almost can't imagine doing the recordings for an episode weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. And so there's something that has it feel spontaneous and fresh and so then authentic knowing that this episode is coming out in just a couple days. And it's good to be back creating the episodes for you. Good to be back from a break that I desperately needed with family and summertime vibes. And so then here we are. Just a quick note, this episode is sponsored by The Death Deck. You can go to thedeathdeck.com and check out this special sponsor and their card game, getting community engaged in the conversation of our eventual demise but in fun and playful ways that are thoughtful and connecting. Uh, we'll talk more about the death deck later, but you can go to the deathdeck.com and use our 
code YG2D and get $5 off your own death deck. So check out the website. And yeah, later in the episode, you'll hear a little more about that. Now, this episode is with another friend that I've made doing You're Going to Die over the years. And this friend of mine is a big, powerful, positive force in the world. And so then glad to have the time in this episode, in this conversation, to explore how. Smiley. Smiley Polswalski is the author of a book called Friendship in the Age of Loneliness. It's his most recent book, An Optimist's Guide to Connection. And I think probably, no, no, most definitely needed any time. But I think you'll find from our conversation that we talk about how it's needed, especially now, especially during the last year and a half, the timing of it coming out during a time of so much disconnection, coupled with maybe a growing year's of disconnection from the impact of social media and the nature of the times. And maybe you don't have that experience. I I have my own version of it. I think you're going to die exist because uh, I needed a place to find more connection. And so there's ways that Smiley being on the show is so perfect because it's just literally because of you're going to die that we know each other. But then in this conversation, you'll hear how his work and writing on friendship actually connects to the mortality conversation because of a friend of his that we talk a a good deal about, Levi, and Levi's death and the loss, but also Levi's aliveness, Levi's legacy. And so this conversation that we share today is an intersection of all that stuff. And so then, like most episodes, we're getting into different things that connect to the mortal experience, but death is certainly running through it all. And I really love the time we spend talking about Levi. I never knew Levi, but because of people like Smiley and because of the space like You're Going to Die, Levi showed up a lot in our events, our open mic especially, the communities that overlap between worlds and humans and organizations has been such a special part of the unfolding. So Smiley's a part of that, a big part of that. Smiley is a millennial workplace expert, motivational speaker, and author of The Quarter Life Breakthrough, The Breakthrough Speaker, and as I mentioned, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness. Smiley has advised heads of state and foreign leaders about millennial talent, multi-generational engagement, and fostering belonging in the digital age. Smiley's TED Talk on the quarter-life crisis has been viewed over 1.5 million times, and he has spoken in front of 50,000 people in 20 countries. Smiley's work has been featured in the New York Times, The New Yorker, The Washington Post, Fast Company, CNN, and the World Economic Forum, among many other outlets. And now, one of those outlets is You're Going to Die, the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode with Smiley as much as I enjoy the conversation we had together. And a little note about some of the music that you're going to hear throughout this episode. I love music. I mean, so much of You're Going to Die is built on good music and friendship with good musicians, but 
it's so nice to have the podcast as a way to share that. And if you've been listening to episodes of You're Going to Die, the podcast, you know this already. You know that music is a real presence in, in this manifestation of You're Going to Die. As, as the open mic and the curated events and the workshops, like music is in ev everything. So really, really love being able to share music I love with all of you, our listeners. And I was listening to one of my favorite musicians, Joey Pecoraro. His new album, Old Time Radio, is something that emerged in the last few months, mid-pandemic, just chilling and letting Spotify kind of roll out the new releases. And his music came on while I was doing work on the podcast. And so I reached out to Joey and said, hey, I love your music, been listening to it for a while, and I'd love to share your new album with our listeners in the podcast. And he was down. So that music from Joey Pecoraro, who you can check out on Twitter at Joey Pecoraro, P-E-C-O-R-A-R-O, -R -R Joey Pecoraro on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and connect more to what he's up to in the world. So thanks to Joy for letting us use some of his music for this sweet episode with Smiley. Did you hear my stomach just now? It's what happens when I really settle into something I love. Enjoy. Writing's a trip, man. Like when you write something, <laughs> you know, you just can't control when someone's going to read it, what the headspace is <laughs> that they're in when they do read it. And you just have to trust that, you know, you have something to say because I started writing this book. This book pulls on some early writing I did when Levi was sick and, and when my friend Levi Felix uh, got a brain tumor and, and died. And that was the beginning of this project. Like I knew I wanted to write something about my friend. I knew I wanted to write something about friendship and this, you know, crazy world that we were living in and that Levi had kind of helped me see more clearly and re remember kind of what really mattered in this kind of technological, fast-paced, you know, digital world that we were kind of coming of age in or at least like coming, becoming, you know, full-on adults in, in the Bay Area in the 2010s. And uh, I started writing it then, you know, with just kind of like, hey, I care about this subject. I want to write something about friendship. We don't talk about this enough. Not kind of the social media friendship thing, but the actual friendship thing. Like that's that getting back to that. And what does that look like? And how are people doing it? You know, and then I wrote this proposal, right? You write a book proposal, which is this weird, you know, like, hey, let me tell you what I'm going to write about. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. okay. And then, you know, the the people, the people in power, the, the publishers, you know, reviewed the book and were into it. And it was January 2020. So the book deal kind of went through. Right. Like, <laughs> literally, I mean, I think I closed the book deal like February for, you know, two weeks or three weeks before lockdown or something. Right. Right. 
And so I'd written this book and it was full on in-person connection, you know, like it was like getting back to hugging people and spending time in person and going to events like you're going to die and going to live shows and having potlucks and, you know, you know, high fiving and just eye contact and being with your friends in a room with real people in real life. That was kind of getting back to that. And then literally, <laughs> you know, a month later, none of that was <laughs> possible, was allowed, was was safe. Right. Uh, not just like, you know, here, but around the world. And, you know, I immediately went back to the publisher and I was like, you know, I got to rewrite the book. Like the book has to be about friendships during a pandemic. Like how do you have maintain connection and relationships in this moment? And they were like, no, don't do that. Like the reason why it'll be powerful is because it's going to be to speak to the world that we remember that we want to get back to. Great. And it was really good advice. So they I was that, like, okay. They had that sense. That's pretty cool, man. That's really Yeah, cool. because, you know, you don't want to kind of, there's a, it, it was a little bit of a push pull because I didn't want to write a book where people were like, oh, yeah, no shit. I want to go see my friends. I can't do that, dude. Like no shit. I want to go to a concert and start like dancing and rubbing sure. up against people that I've never <laughs> met and just being like, oh my God, I want to hug you. Like, yes, I want to share a beer bottle with you. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like you can't do that. Um, but at the same time, I also, you don't want to write a book that you know, is already going to be dated by hopefully, you know, later this year. Um, but at the, in a weird way, what I was trying to do as this was going on, cause I ended up, you know, doing a lot of the writing last, the, the summer during the pandemic was kind of write a book about friendship while going through this kind of thinking back to what it used to be, what it was currently in the pandemic and what it would ho- will hopefully be in the future. So kind of trying to tie it all together, which is, I think, what we're all facing now, which is kind of this, we're about to get back out there again, not quite yet, but we're really looking forward to it. But a lot of it's a little bit intimidating. I was actually listening to your interview with John Elliott, oh, cool. um, who's amazing, musician, uh, great musician, great human. Yeah. And that kind of like, excitement for what's to come in terms of friendship but also kind of like a little bit of dread because you're like man it's kind of nice that i have pretty much my calendar wide open from about 4 30 p.m when it starts to get cold and dark till (laughs) you know pretty much all the time i don't have to go to any of those social engagements like it's all good and i'm super excited to see everyone and you're kind of like, are we, I, I was thinking about this recently. I was like, are we going to all have the energy to hang out? Mm-hmm. Like we're just going to be, it's going to take a long time for us to kind of um, open up and wake up from this kind of slumber or this pause or this disconnection or reconnection to self or slowing down and like get back to the like, all right, on Tuesday night, I'm getting drinks with this person. On Wednesday mm-hmm. night, I'm going to the independent. On Thursday night, right. you know, What's why the book feels like such a sweet blueprint for not only remembering how we were before the pandemic and so then getting present to what could be happening more now in the months, these months that are rolling out before us, but also as a nice touchstone of options that kind of cover the gamut. You know, you hit these things where you're thinking about, the kind of really creative ideas that 
would take some organizing and timing and space, literally figuring out where to do it and how to do it and what that'll look like. But also this, there's things that stood out to me that are so simple, returning to letter writing or even like the phone call, but these ways that are, it's time to reconnect and ease back into it. And your book offers this pretty wide range. I mean, vast amounts of options for, which I, a, a major reason I really loved it for how to take care of each other and ourselves in our friendship, not even a friendship with others, but our friendship with ourselves. And which I love too about, about the book, how it kind of tends to that too, even speaking to the quiet taking care of yourself when you need silence, when you need to be alone, mm-hmm. how to do it. And so it feels like good timing too for not just the, all right, we're back. Here's all the ways you can be friends again in, um, in person, but gentle ways of reconnecting and and ways that maybe don't look like filling your schedule with a month work of outings every single night. Totally. I mean, that was the intention was really like I was thinking of it as kind of a cookbook, a cookbook for friendship in the digital age. And it's like if you think about a cookbook or a recipe, you can make the most complicated thing if you're really feeling that. But you can also just pick up something and be like, okay, I I, I like this recipe. This recipe is calling to me right now. And it might not next week, you know, and that was the idea was just something that people could flip through you know, read from cover to cover or just kind of jump around and feel and in kind of every page, okay, there's something here. This is about, you know, connection to yourself. This is about connection to one person and really going deep with somebody and kind of getting that space. And then, okay, maybe there's a small group or then maybe there's, you know, a larger community and what does that look like and how do we take care of kind of, you know, neighbors and build these kind of, you know, communities in our, in our towns, our cities, and hopefully, you know, across, across the country, across the world. So really kind of thinking about it from like a drop in, drop out perspective and kind of what's calling to you in the moment and recognizing that that changes, you know, I think that that was for me a a little bit of the origin story of this book was, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty social person, right? I'm, my nickname is Smiley. I do know (laughs) I have a lot of energy. I'm generally, you know, positive, fun, loving kind of, you know, I, I like people, right? I like life. I like people. I like being out there. I'm a socialite. You know, I, I go to the things. I go to all the things, you know, for my for my work the past few years, I've, I've had the, you know, the privilege to be traveling around the world and getting to speak at all these places and meeting cool people. And yet, you know, sometimes I really don't want that. And I think, you know, a little bit about this book and a little bit about like coming back to Levi and coming back to what really mattered was me being like, who the fuck are my friends? (laughs) You know, it's like 2019, 2020. I'm like, wait a second. Like, yeah, like I am cool. I like my life. I have met, meet cool people all the time. And, and I feel very blessed in that regard. And I go to interesting things and I meet all these people and, you know, they follow me on Instagram and I like their pictures on Facebook and they invite me to cool shit. But like, who are my fucking friends? And, (laughs) um, and that, that it can be kind of okay to like want, you know, that high high level of this huge group thing, it can also be great to be like, I just need to talk to somebody right now. I just need, as you were saying, like picking up the phone, 
right now and I just want to have a phone call with someone for an hour and hear about um, something going on there in their in their life or you know just telling me about you know like what are you struggling with or like you know how how did that date go or what did you cook for dinner last night and just kind of getting 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 more of that I think was a little bit of the like where this started from of like a little bit less of the like connection oh my gosh like we're all connected and like you know that kind of dopamine hit that you know is useful sometimes but is kind of fleeting and getting back to the like the real shit right like the real just kind of um those long phone conversations that don't seem to end those those walks um that is like you know deep hangs one-on-ones just like the you know the kind of the old school i mean there's an element of this that's like so simple right like this is like how we as a society or as a culture, as a humanity, we, how we evolved and survived over the generations was because of people, right? We were in villages and tribes and that's how we survived. Like this is in our biology. This is what we want. This is what, what actually contributes to our health and well-being. And yet it in practice is fucking hard. And it's, and it's like, you know, like that's, you know, this stuff is simple to do, but in practice, like in theory, it's very simple, right? Hug someone more, get into your body, like, you know, um, find belonging yourself, but it actually is really hard to do. And I think that, you know, one of the, that was one of the things I, you know, starting to write this book was being like, wait, is this super basic? And then being like, every time I talked about someone, they're like, man, I need to do that more. I need to write more letters. It's yeah. like, I wrote letters in fifth grade. Like, yeah. it was awesome. Why yeah. am I not doing that anymore? Now, a few words about our sponsor. This episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast, is brought to you by The Death Deck, a lively game of surprising conversations. And it is adorably valuable. And I use those two words. I'm holding one right now. I love the design of this deck of cards and the value. Well, let me explain a little more about that. Uh, the Death Deck offers up thought-provoking questions with a large dose of humor to help take the taboo out of the topic of death. So it's a unique card game that's created for us to engage about this fact of life, this eventuality, this thing we all share but don't talk about enough. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you may know already that You're Going to Die is born from my own loss and my own experience facing mortality in really personal ways. And it's one reason why I really love the death deck. And I'm so, so proud and stoked that they're uh, supporting You're Going to Die, the podcast, because I know how much it's their heart's work. Uh, both Lisa and Lori, the creators of the death deck, met in the context of loss when Lori's husband, Joe, was placed on home hospice. And that's where they met. And this game 
has come into being because of their experience meeting each other in the context of loss. There's so much thought that goes into this product and it's a really special way to create playful moments with community, with friends and family, uh, with people that you work with in this kind of conversation to open up these parts of who we are that we need to face, or at least I think, I think we need to. The death deck doesn't just get you talking about all things death related though, it, it leads to deeper connections. Again, another reason why I love and care about You're Going to Die is because it's as much about that as it is about like mortality and death and dying. But the people that get to play the death deck, they connect uh, as they're playing, telling stories about uh, signs they've received from beyond or talking about things that feel really big, like the legacy you want to leave behind or laughing at the idea of who you might want to haunt if you're able, if you heard a recent episode. <laughs> Uh, Nick and I pulled one of the cars and, and gave the game a try, which we'll do again at the end of this episode. So hang around for that. Um, we'll prove to you the value of the death deck, the value of using a game to share about topics that create a feeling of connection and closeness, um, like a game, let's say, like Scrabble, uh, can't create. Hey, we're not bagging on Scrabble. I want to be clear here, okay? So if somehow uh, the legal team at Scrabble hears that I said uh, anything derogatory, no, you know, I get it. Scrabble has its place in the world, but Scrabble doesn't often lead to conversations about death and dying and mortality and grief and loss and what we want to leave behind when we're gone and, and what we want our death to mean and how we want our death to go. Uh, this game lets you do that. And the good news is, you can get the game, and not only that, you can get it for less money than anybody else because you're listening to You're Going to Die, the podcast. All you have to do is go to thedeathdeck.com, and when you purchase your death deck, just use the coupon code YG2D, YG, the number 2D, and you'll get $5 off your death deck. So go to thedeathdeck.com today and get your small and portable fun and interesting, valuable conversation starter, The Death Deck, a lively game of surprising conversations. In the second half of this episode, Smiley and I mostly talk about Levi Felix, his friend, that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, who died, his friend and the co-founder of Digital Detox and the director of a camp called Camp Grounded, a summer camp for adults. I never got to go to this camp, but I know a lot of people that would go to this place to be in nature and unplug from technology and be together in creatively childlike ways that we don't have enough of. And that's part of Levi's legacy is the intention of that camp and how it taught the knowing of that needed kind of space. I asked Smiley if you wouldn't mind sending us a couple of audio files so we could have Nick Jaina create a, a magical moment like he does so well with some sounds of settling, a chance to kind of settle the nervous system and 
tenderly tend to your headspace through your little ear canals for a couple minutes. And Smiley sent some audio from a lake that he was visiting at the time. And he also sent us some words from Levi that gives us a chance here for a minute or two to keep him alive in the living conversation a way all our dead deserve. The change in the world that I'd like to see is more people taking more time to reflect and experience what they're doing instead of sharing it or Instagramming or posting it on the internet. I'd like to see more people looking into people's faces instead of looking in their screens. And watching impromptu, spontaneous conversations erupt on corners across the world. Where crosswalks are opportunities for people to reconnect with their neighbors. I think, um, first of all, I remember coming to um, You're Gonna Die at the Lost Church. I don't know when it was. so It must have been 2017 sometime. Um, the first time I kind of went with like a, a, a I, I need this, <laughs> you know, or like I'm seeking this out. And I had heard about it and, you know, people had been talking about it forever. And I remember walking into that space and just being like, whoa. Whoa, you know, like you don't have to contain your feelings about, you know, death and dying to like the time when that happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the like when someone's sick or the funeral, or you know, mm -hmm. or like talking to a therapist or something. But like there's a space for this ongoing because it's ongoing. Yeah. Right. And it, and it's like, you don't know when you want to talk about it or not talk about it or when you, you feel it and you kind of sometimes always feel it. Um, and, and the, the magic of being in that room and, and feeling like I could share and, and listen and that people were going through all kinds of things from all different parts of their life, you know, recent death, <laughs> death when they were children, um, someone who is currently sick, that was a family member, a loved one or, or or whatever. I think you said um, the just, book that even that one, someone 
Well, did someone share like their stuffy or what? Like yeah, it was like about like their stuffed animal who had yes. like died or like fallen out of the window or like gotten run over by a truck or just something like ridiculous. And everyone right. was just like laughing. It was just like this moment of like comic relief. And it was so perfect. It was actually such a Levi moment. It's like and just moments of reminding you about life and laughter and silliness and it all fucking matters and it all doesn't matter and it's all just (laughs) there and we're all going through it and if we can't laugh about this then like we have to that's actually the only thing we can do is be Mm -hmm. like man you know like i'm i'm about to share about you know one of my best friends who just died at the age of 32 of a brain tumor for no reason right i mean no you know like no explanation just one day was healthy and one day got a brain tumor. Literally, as simple as that. One day, perfectly healthy, running around like a busy Bay Area millennial. And then the next day, you know, getting a diagnosis that would 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 lead to his death in a year. And that's how long it was, a year. One year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cancer, fuck cancer and fuck brain cancer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things um, came in, into view through through Levi. I mean, it, the, the thing that was so almost cruel, but in a way, like, there was some poetic beauty in it of, like, this person had, he had got a brain tumor, died of brain cancer. He had made us all, like, he had rewired people's brains. That's literally what he was doing for a living. That, that was his calling, not just a living. That was his, like, life mission was like, I'm going to go around in this society that has become beyond addicted to their devices and fuck with people's brains and make them get out of their own heads, realize that they're like in a vortex and a portal that's like leading to, you know, depression and unhealthy behavior and wake up and remember what it was like to be a child and play in the woods. Right. Like yeah. that was basically what he had been doing. Um, and, 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 and had been bringing together hundreds and thousands of people for the past few years. So it was just like this, like, you know, in a way is like really hard for, I think for our crew of friends to make sense of it. Cause it's like, wait a second, this person like changed our brains. He literally, you know, reminded me what play felt like. He reminded me what, you know, human connection felt like, you know, that sense of just like, you know, you, you, you are shouting at the top of your lungs, you're, you're wearing face paint, you've got tights on, you're singing at the top of your lungs, you know, uh, Graham and Chelsea are playing on the guitar and, and, uh, Graham Patzner, Chelsea Coleman, you're, you're Mm -hmm. blasting, you're, you're singing around, sitting around the campfire, like screaming, you know, a a song you love, you're singing to the Beatles, you're singing, you know, the band late night, um, you're, you're running around like the dining hall and everyone's like laughing and you know, that type of ecstasy and joy. He like brought that into so many people's lives mm-hmm. and, and made us remember like what mattered and like, oh man. <laughs> is it Camp Grounded? You're, you know, you, we don't use real names, which right. is actually sounds silly, but is really intentional because it, it allows people to kind of not be tied to their you know, work identity, professional identity, personal identity, LinkedIn bio, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we had people coming to that camp that maybe, you know, in their, in their, in the default world, in their normal life, or maybe a CEO or an executive, or, or maybe even someone that people, you know, knew from, from looking at their face, maybe a celebrity or whatever. But when they were at camp, they were, you know, rainbow sprinkles or cookie surprise, yeah. you know, 
or whoever, and they just got to be that, right? Which is actually really, really, really powerful and not something, not a permission slip that we actually give to people uh, in, in our adult lives. I mean, that was, again, talking about, you know, we, we, you know, getting back to the simplicity versus complexity thing, like, it's so simple. Like when you're a kid, it's like, go play, mm-hmm. go play. And everyone's like, awesome. I just have to play. Yeah. You go play. Right. That's what you do. Like that's your literal job is you just are going around playing and being like, do you want to play? I want to play cool. Like, oh, you don't want to play. Okay. That's cool. And it's like, <laughs> that's basically what camp was, was like, Hey, it's time to play. Like put away your phones and go play. And what happens in that environment is that suddenly all of these responsibilities, all of these expectations, all of these I'm supposed tos, this is what I'm going, this is, this is who I, like the definitions and, and rules that we create for ourselves kind of wither away. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, what I wanted to kind of remind myself was that light. Like I wanted to remind myself what I felt like at camp. I wanted to remind myself you know, what it was like to be fucked with by Levi and kind of creating those, those moments. I mean, again, we would (laughs) talking about like the ups and downs, like we would have there every camp, there'd be a silent dinner. So 300 people sitting in silence under the redwoods. And usually there'd be, I think Papa Bear would, would play guitar one year. There would Mm -hmm. be someone playing the sitar one year. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually the dinner would happen after everyone, there was a big campfire and everyone in silence. So there'd be like an hour or two of silence leading up to the dinner. And during the end of that, before the dinner, people would go uh, burn their fear, like burn um, something holding them back from kind of living, you know, their more authentic life or the life they wanted to live and write it on a little slip of paper in that moment of um, time of silence and then burn it in the fire all together. Like everyone's kind of sitting there around and then go sit in, 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 in silence, uh, during dinner. And then like, it's just like, what a moment, you know, and sounds kind of cultish when you think about it. It is a little cultish, I guess, but it was just like, <laughs> you're so talking about someone who's been doing something called you're going to die for 10 years. I know. <laughs> talking, like yeah, knows exactly. These spaces end up having that kind of, there's always a fine line. Yes. There's always a fine line between like the, the spaces that are offering the most transformation. And then like, Oh, you went too far. <laughs> like totally. hold, <laughs> totally. hold back, hold back. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. um, but like, man. And then it's just like, even now, and you know, a lot of the counselors and people that had gone to camp, they had already done it. Like we had, it's like, it's not like the exercise changed. It was the same thing. We did it last week and it was still like, you'd be in tears and be like shedding some, some side of yourself that you, you wanted to get rid of or, or, or deciding that you were going to talk to someone in your life that you hadn't talked to before, or, mm-hmm. you know, be a more honest, you know, pe- people being more honest about who they were with their loved ones or, or coming out or whatever it was. Yeah. And man, it was just like, gosh. And then like later that night, we'd have a huge dance party. And it was just like fucking Levi, you know, you're just like, woo, like the emotional roller coaster of life. But I don't think that I've ever felt more alive than I did in those weekends. Yeah. Um, and you know, like if someone through their death, through their life and through their death can can remind you what it's like to feel alive and remind 
hundreds of people what life feels like and what aliveness feels like, we should all be so lucky. Like mm-hmm. that is that is like the greatest contribution I think as a human you can make on this earth is to remind other people what it's like to feel alive. Mm-hmm. And Levi Felix did that to the nth degree in <laughs> in a very short uh, amount of time. And mm-hmm. um, so, like you know, I I I. <laughs> I miss him so much. I know. Um, and like, I sometimes think like, you know, what magic, like what mischief, what ridiculous shit would he come up with if he were mm-hmm. <laughs> here today? But I also like, I'm, I'm still in awe of that contribution. And um, I hope that like, you know, this book carries carries it just a little bit, you know, keeps his name in the, you know, stream of consciousness of, of, of people and people that met him and knew him and loved him, but also people that he never got to touch. Because I think like that is, that is, that's true. That's meaning. Like, that's what we're kind of, you know, like people talk about like meaning, meaningful life. Like it's that it's like what people experience at you're going to die. It's what people experience at camp. It's that, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and like it's it's again sounds so simple it is simple it's like (laughs) holding space for another human giving a Mm -hmm. shit about another human being seeing if you can make another human being better like you know i like that making it just giving a shit about (laughs) another human can we just give a shit about another human It does, I mean, it, it does create aliveness. It's, it is that simple and it's raw. It's simple. Know? It yeah. is. And it's like, you know, is that kind of like reminder of, you know, that like, that's what I was getting at here is like, if this book sits on someone's coffee table, right. And it's a reminder, like, man, I haven't talked to that person in a while, man. I, oh, I, 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 I just saw this perfect gift for this person. I'm going to send it to them. Ah, you know, like that's, that's what I want. That was another track from Old Time Radio from Joey Pecoraro. You can check out more of Joey's music at joeypecoraro.com. That's J-O-E-Y-P-E-C-O-R-A-R-O.com. And I'll put a link to 
his website in the liner notes. Thanks, Joey. And hello, Nick Jaina. Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Uh, so nice to see you and hear you. Uh, wanted to thank you for the last episode again, now in person, verbally. Uh, oh, yeah, that was fun. S- stepping in to create that while I was away. Yeah, it's always good to have a reason to talk to my wife. <laughs> Otherwise, we just sit at the dinner table. Just... <laughs> it's not that it's just, God, I wish there was a podcast I could work on so we could connect. Uh, I wish someone would ask us how we met again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just nice that no one did ask you that. You just asked each other that oh, yeah, and then right. made an episode out of it. <laughs> How did we meet again? Let's record this. Yeah. Uh, that great episode. Appreciate it. Love the stories like that that are a part of our community and a part of your going to die's history. And hey, you read uh, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, didn't you? Yeah, I was, I was feeling lonely in the age of... Uh, Loneliness <laughs> in the <laughs> in the technological know, age. Did you know no, that's I mean, where the sense was going? I felt lonely in the age of <laughs> loneliness. I was feeling like most people over the last year. Who who are my friends, and how do you know, and how do you stay connected? And so I, it was really great to read that book and see so many ideas about how to stay connected. And then halfway through the book, I saw my own name uh, when he interviewed you and Chelsea in it, and Chelsea mentioned that that. Again, she met me. <laughs> Another chance to talk about how Chelsea and I met, that we met because of You're Gonna Die. And uh, so in the midst of this book about loneliness, on a day when I was feeling lonely, there was my name in the book. And uh, right, I, right. I, I, can't, I can't guarantee that everybody who reads the book will have that experience. Or a but it's a possibility. You're like, you prove what's possible. The listener could end up reading their own name in a book. In the book, I'm, yeah, I'm always interested in the kind of art that can kind of wink at the audience or make make the audience feel loved and seen. And this mm. was a pretty extreme example of that. Of literally, like, "Hello, Nick, you're not alone." I love that you put it that way. I, you'll hear soon when you piece all this episode together. The introduction. I read a poem. Um, by a Canadian poet, and it is a wink at the reader. And I love that the book did that for you. And I think the podcast, you know, I kind of like the idea of the podcast doing that um, too for our listeners in whatever ways we can, like an aliveness to the podcast, like almost as if it's an occurrence that's happening right now while it's being listened to. It's not something that got made and is static, it has an aliveness to it now. And so then um, winks happen. Yeah, and you're you're like a human wink. Am I? <laughs> just like God, it's just so 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 like poetically put, and then just feels like it might be an underhanded. <laughs> the just human the nature wink. of the sound of wink. You're just like no, a like, wink. I feel like your aims in a space or performance or a meeting. Mm. Your aim is to make everyone feel like they are really there and really seen and belong there, and mm-hmm. I think that's just a great priority to have for. For anyone, for performers, for comedians, for musicians, to make yeah. it, make the audience feel like it's not just arbitrary that you're here. I'm glad that you, Sarah DiCasio, are here. <laughs> right. Is that a real person? And Sarah's like, oh my God. Sarah DiCasio? Did you just make that name up? I just made that name up. 
Is that a wink at someone out there that actually has that name? But imagine if we, there is a Sarah Dacascio listening. To that's me. what I'm feeling like. They, their <laughs> mind just got blown. Because it's in the midst of a discussion of. Yeah, exactly. Sarah's <laughs> like, oh, my God. Sarah, if you're listening, take this exciting moment to forward this podcast to 150 of your closest friends. Tell them that that's the kind of magic that happens on You're Going to Die, the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, hey, do you want to do a death deck card, Nick? Yeah, pull a card. Pulling a card from the death deck, everybody. Again, you can go to thedeathdeck.com and use our coupon code YG2D to get yourself one of these. And uh, let's let's give uh, the death deck a whirl. Okay, Nick, this card is called... I've not read this before. Okay. This card is titled Time of Death. Mm-hmm. Nick, if you could find out the exact way, day and time of your death Mm -hmm. but could do nothing to stop it would Mm -hmm. you want to know i have something to say real quick before you answer this okay (laughs) i watched is is it the time of my death (laughs) yeah i actually want to actually give you the information specifically because that's actually listed here on that's what's crazy about the death deck is they actually personalize (laughs) um no except it says sarah (laughs) decazio (laughs) it is you're right i missed that note at the bottom the asterisk this date day and time are for sarah DiCasio. um i watched big fish recently Mm -hmm. it's a tim burton film do you know it yeah yeah i've seen it after my mom died in 2003 i was the first movie i saw I remember like it felt like I was curling up into a ball in the chair, crying, like weeping, sobbing hysterically with a friend of mine who I don't think had ever seen me cry yet, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. um, or express emotion that intensely. It was really, really, really like hard to watch that movie um, because of how confronting it was. The storyline is about a dying parent. Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah. And, And also I think it was hard because it was such a romantic, like beautiful happy ending and i didn't feel that way about my mom's death at the time right especially but part of the storyline is this woman a witch local uh witch (laughs) a local community member witch who lives in this old haunted house and and the main character or i guess maybe not the main character but the the part of the movie you know is a flashback to this guy's life and the story of when he was a kid and he went to this house and and knocked on the door and uh he got dared to do it to go confront this witch and take her dead eye and get it from her and show it to the other people other Mm -hmm. friends that he was with and when he opens the door she's there um but he befriends her and it turns out that when you you know the the myth or the story is that when you look in this woman's eye you see the way, day, and time of your death unfold in her eyeball, in her dead eyeball. Right. And so it's it's uh, timely. I mean, I literally rewatched the big this movie Big Fish like a few days ago because I wanted to revisit all these things, and I just wanted to connect that but and you buy can't, you some time. But you can't change it. No, you could not change it. And the main character in the movie, he loved that he knew. He asked to see it. The, uh, crazily, he actually tricked the, the the friends who weren't his friends into looking in her eye 
he forced them to see their death, which mm. I actually have some conflicted feelings about mm. because uh, although one of them was like the quote unquote villain, even though we know he probably had a traumatic childhood and <laughs> was hurt in a lot of ways and just needed support and love and therapy. Sure. But there's a char- the character, the main character, he, he asks to see it because he wants to know so that he doesn't have to fear anything else leading up to the actual death. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's walk through an exa- a possibility here, right? Okay. Uh-huh. Let's say you pull the card and it says, uh, uh, you die in Colorado in 2053 in a skydiving accident, right? So, right. A- and you can't change it, right? So, yep. um, I've never been skydiving. So I'd be like, it would actually encourage me to go skydiving because, like, let me get in some jumps before the big one, Continually, right? <laughs> all the time. In fact, you would jump out of a plane without a parachute a couple times just because you knew it wasn't the end. Yeah, and I'd want to spend more time in Colorado. <laughs> I'd, you know, um, but I don't know. Let's let's think. Like, what what are some other ways? Like choking to death. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a year from now. Um, I don't know. I, th- I I I first of all, I can't imagine not. If I knew somebody had the answer and they're giving me the option of knowing, I can't imagine saying no. I can't imagine having the discipline to turn that information down. I would need to know. Right. Pers- yeah. Me personally. Um, and then you would have to kind of wince a little bit because if they're just like, well, next week. And you're like, what? Next week? <laughs> yeah. If it was soon, you'd be, but, that would be. But imagine, wow, yeah. but I mean, imagine that week or imagine that year that you get if you really knew. I mean, that would be, that would be an amazing year. It would be sad, you know, there'd be tears, but imagine how you would realter your priorities, how everything would change if you knew that. It would be amazing. And I don't think there is a, a length of time where that would change, unless it was like really far in the future and you're like, oh, great, I live forever, you know? And then and then you forget about it and then like 50 years from now, you're like, wait, what, what did that old witch eye say? Yeah, <laughs> that's part of how the story goes. And you look at the dying. calendar like, and you're like, I can't remember. <laughs> Tell me how it happened. I don't remember. I just totally forgot. Uh, you step on that plane accidentally because your hope would be maybe even that you could somehow avoid it. But you know you can't. Uh, actually, yeah, I'm with you. I feel the same way. This like whatever the time you have, you could live fully. I'm reading Stephen Jenkinson's Come of Age right now and, mm. and for those of you listening, we do have an episode uh, with uh, me in conversation with Stephen Jenkinson, and it's it's one of my favorite episodes. But um, working my way through his book, Come of Age, and he talks about this idea of uh, fully living life, like a life fully lived, and the possibility of um, you know, think like, well, you die with a life you've lived fully. Like a full life lived is being 80 years old and dying, but actually a full life lived, who, who could not, who could, who could say that an eight year old's death, um, isn't a full life lived mm-hmm. or a 20 year old or a 40 year old. And I think it's maybe like, mm, you know, he's taking it into really philosophical, intense, dense, uh, um, line of thinking, but but the part that I think connects to what we're sharing is this: if you knew it was next week, you could just like use that week to the fullest. Yeah. If you th- didn't, if it wasn't going to happen until you're 85, like okay, great, you know. But either way, it's this: okay, now I know how am I going to use the time I definitively have. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I imagine life insurance companies would would screw this all up, right? They would they would collect <laughs> yeah. they would collect the witch's eyes and just have too much power you know 
Yeah, they would ask you like, you have you you actually have to look into this. They hire the witch <laughs> and be like, you can get a, a policy with us, but you have to look into this lady's eyeball, her dead eye first, and then <laughs> we'll send you the paperwork or not. And then they're like, what did you see? And you're like, uh. I live, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, well, <laughs> there wouldn't be good make it. They'd have to have access directly to the info, but you're right. You'd be the only one. The, the dead lady's eye only communicates with you. This is um, a, a fascinating premise for a sci-fi world, you know? It could be, yeah, a whole nother movie on its own. Yeah. Bigger fish. Thanks to the death deck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Thanks to the Death Deck. Uh, go to thedeathdeck.com, use our code YG2D, and get a game that'll offer moments like what Nick and I just shared with you. Uh, it's, it's proven again. This game gets you into it. You laugh, you get thoughtful, you get real about this eventuality we all share. You're all going to die. We're all going to die. Uh, why not play a fun card game about it before you do? whether you only have a week or 60 years. Um, and uh, thank you, Nick. Thanks for all your work on this episode. Thanks to Joey Pecoraro for all the music throughout. I want to sh- thank Smiley um, Polswalski. You can go to smileypolswalski.com. I'm not going to spell it. Check the liner notes for all the things. You can order his book, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, now, um, among all his other books, too, I recommend. And again, all this info will be in the liner notes. But thanks most of all to all of you for listening. Until next time. Bye, Nick. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.